Good morning. I'm Joanna Roach, and you're listening to The Nature of Nantucket. I am here this morning with two colleagues uh, from other nonprofits on Nantucket. Obviously, I'm with the Mariah Mitchell Association. We're here with Emily Molden. She is with the Nantucket Land Council, and Samantha Danette, who is with the Nantucket Shellfish Association. Thank you for joining me, ladies. Good morning. Thanks, Joanna. Good morning. Uh, Happy to be here. Yeah, so we have started this this group, uh, for lack of a better word, called the Clean Water Coalition. And I thought it would be just really great to give the listeners, you know, a little bit about the why and the how, and then kind of maybe talk a little bit about what we're thinking the future might look like. But let's start with maybe you, Emily, and talking a little bit about, you know, how we came together what we kind of identified as the problem, and then we can sort of talk about where we went from there. Sure. Thanks, Joanna. I think that the three of us have been having some conversations around a lot of these issues for a while now. I think that a lot of our collaborative efforts really were galvanized last winter during a lot of the discussion around the proposed fertilizer ban here on Nantucket leading up to town meeting. And I certainly recall speaking with both of you and a few other people about what some new and different ways were to uh, try to bring together support and move the agenda of clean water forward on the island. There was a lot of discussion about the condition of the harbor specifically, but also the other freshwater bodies on island, our ponds, our wetlands, our groundwater, certainly. And I think that this was really an effort to reach out to some other individuals and organizations who we knew were also concerned about the state of our waters and and bring those voices together and try to be as supportive as possible in doing so. Sam, do you have anything that you want to add to that? Absolutely. So, you know, we've seen a steady decline in our bay scallop fishery And so this year, seeing our bushel count drop to, you know, in recent history, this all-time low of 3,200 bushels, I think that was a really scary warning flag for the island of, we have this amazing natural resource, and it's in jeopardy. And so I think in the last couple of years with COVID, you know, public health was obviously top of mind for everyone. And now that we're getting back to our day-to-day, back to our you know, pre-COVID agendas and, and to-do lists, that 3,200 was this this really big flag of, we have to get back to clean water. We have to talk about these things and figure out how we can work together. Um, so that's that's one of the reasons where we entered the conversation uh, with, the, with our two fellow organizations, the Land Council and the Mariah Mitchell, to put our heads together and try to do some good as a group instead of on our own. Yes. And then in June, we tried and succeeded, I think, largely at connecting and inviting all the other sort of science related organizations who had an interest or a vested interest in clean water in the harbor. And I think one of the ways that we positioned that meeting was that we wanted to depoliticize water, that this wasn't an attack, uh, but this was a proactive effort to reach out, build bridges, and gather support for an issue that's really important to the community. Emily, do you want to comment on how that kind of came about a little bit? Yeah. And then we'll go to you, Sam. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Joanna. I I think that there's always been an understanding and a feeling that because 
so much of our water resources are regulated by, governed by, controlled by the town, that there's typically a lot of expectation uh, placed on the town to address these issues. And in some of the conversations that we started having with colleagues and partner organizations, we realized that there was a much greater interest, certainly beyond our three groups, from other entities to try to figure out how they could also help and be supportive uh, with these goals. And so I think that our desire to bring a lot more voices to the table and figure out what it is that we as entities could offer uh, in in that on, on that path towards um, improving our water quality. Uh, that we really were able to pull everybody together. And there was just so much incredible enthusiasm around um, wanting to create a collaborative effort to be supportive of that process. Sam? Yeah, and I think, you know, with our three organizations and then all of our fellow signers who we invited to the table, you know, we we have board members, we have members of our organizations and our communities at large. And the reality is we live on an island we're surrounded by water. We get our drinking water from a single source aquifer. So yes, water, to Emily's point, so much of it does kind of fall under the government purview, but water is for all of us. We all rely on it. We choose to live in a place surrounded by water. So we all we all care deeply about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's where depoliticizing it, it goes so much further than um, regulations that pertain to water. And I think that's where this kind of network, this coalition of nonprofits and our our followers and our communities, we all have a vested interest in water quality. And if we come together as we are, you know, we can get creative, we can help fill some of the holes that need to be filled. And it's it's an everyone uh, issue. It's not it's not one or the other. It's for all of us. And so we we can all work together on cleaning it up. Yeah, I think that one of the sort of points of discussion really is how incredibly complex it is that, you know, this island that we live on with the limited amount of resources that we have that are run by this government, right, um, which is normal in all in all other parts of our country, right? The thing that's maybe a little bit different here is that we have this cluster of nonprofits who have resources and abilities and expertise that we can and are willing to support the efforts of the town government. And I think that that starts to become an interesting conversation when we take away the you know duality right where somebody's doing something wrong and somebody's doing something right and we kind of look at this at how can we build synergy and how can we help each other and how can we come into working together as a a larger group and i think certainly in my time on nantucket um i've not seen this cluster or group of organizations come together in quite the same way and talk really openly and i think candidly about some of the challenges whether it be you know educating the community around um you know around how to protect the harbor or around what the fertilizer you know enforcement rules are or around even the you know life life expectancy and risks that, you know, face the scallop, right? So I do see this as something that's really hopeful. And I think maybe, Sam, you might uh, comment a little bit on how, you know, this, because you are the Scallop Association, (laughs) how that aspect of this 
really um, is sort of driving the reasons behind your group supporting this. And then maybe Emily, you can talk a little bit about the fertilizer regulations so that our listeners can kind of understand like all the different factors that make this an issue. Yeah. So that's where, you know, the, the physical landscape that is Nantucket, when you start to dig into water quality and so much of this has been a learning process for me being relatively new in this role you really start to see how interconnected every single thing is. So when we identified kind of these three major, you know, buckets that affect water quality, fertilizer, wastewater, and stormwater, it it can be really easy to think, you know, I don't live on the waterfront or I don't use fertilizer. So I'm, I'm all set. I'm kind of going to keep doing my thing. But then you start to look at, okay, the stormwater outflow pipes that lead directly into the Harbor. You can live, in town, in an apartment, not have a lawn, not even think about fertilizer, but kind of our, our day-to-day habits, you know, stormwater, every time it rains, it's running off into our water sources. So, you know, seeing the interconnectedness of all of this, I think is really important. And that's also where it does get so difficult. You know, it's not one department in the town that has, you know, the the to-do list and the resources to fix it. It's really across so many departments. And that's where with this coalition, having so many different skill sets across our groups, um, I think that's where it's really important for us to all sit down. If that answers your question, Joanna. Emily? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think building a little bit off of what Samantha just spoke to, it's interesting when you begin to think about these factors that are mostly impacting our water quality that are under our control and how it really has everything to do with our land use and our land management. And certainly there are direct impacts from uh, being in the water and being on boats that are used in the water. But a lot of the pollutants that we're concerned about, the nutrient loading really comes from land use and land management. And so that, again, speaks to the need as a community for greater education, awareness, outreach about what we're doing on our own properties and how that's influencing water um, downstream, so to speak. And I think that one of the things that's really critical and uh, incredible about bringing a larger group of organizations together is that we all have our own memberships. We all have our own following Um, We all have um, different groups of people that we reach. And so by alerting all of our own constituencies that clean water is an important issue and that they all should be paying attention to it because it's important to our organizations that reaches much farther than any single one of our organizations does. Um, I think there's certainly an element that um, around regulatory implementation and enforcement that's really critical. And uh, working with the town over the years on a variety of different policies and regulations, including our local fertilizer regulations, which are probably better and stronger than any other municipality in the state at this point, but helping to support the town to figure out how to better implement and enforce those regulations is something I know we're all really interested in. And then also strengthening some of the policies around stormwater, like Sam mentioned, um, our wastewater management. And that's that's something that we need to work with the town on. But the education and outreach piece is um, something that this coalition can really play a big role in as well. 
Yeah, I mean, no pun intended, but we're in uncharted waters here, right? So we're 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 the we're first at doing something, right? That we are all all have sort of the highest and best intention for the outcome. And and here we are kind of putting ourselves out there and saying, hey, we think that not only do we think that we can help, but we think we can gather others together who can help. And uh, as we kind of look forward, I know we're just starting to talk about what does being a member of the Clean Water Coalition mean, right? And also how and what are the best ways for us to work with the town? And, you know, so far they've, you know, certainly responded to our letter and offered up some meetings that we hope to have, you know, towards the end of this month and into October. And we know that they are uh, working on some of the different aspects uh, of the issues that we've identified. Uh, but we also know that, um, Sometimes the communication is tough to get out to the masses and sort of your point, Emily, around our memberships and and being able to kind of activate them in terms of messaging, uh, whether it be, hey, this is what's happening or, hey, this is what we can do better, I think will really help to uh, you know bridge the gap in awareness and understanding of what some of these issues are, because I think everybody sees them, right? We know what happens when we have a big rain. Right. Uh, you know, everybody knows what happens down on Easy Street or on Washington Street or or you can watch the stormwater roll into the harbor. Right. But nobody knows what really happens after that. Right. Or or what's happening to sort of mitigate that issue. So I think those are the places where, you know, we're all looking to go next. And, you know, either of you, I'd love to hear you comment on uh, or expand on what I've shared. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that's always worth noting the reality is the wheels of government move slowly. You know, we have town meeting once a year. Uh, so it, it takes time to put some of these things into practice. It takes time to regulate and implement. The reality is that sometimes as these private, you know, as these nonprofit organizations, we can move a little bit faster. We can get education materials out a little bit faster. We can help support potentially with some infrastructure, but it is going to be a lot of steps. Um, you know, step one was getting this group together. Step two, meeting with the town. Step three, implementing. And so it will take time. And I think recognizing that there is no one issue, so there will be no one fix, that we're going to have to come up with a kind of long trajectory and, and work towards it. Um, I don't think that it'll be perfect, but I also don't think that there's an alternative. I don't think that we can do nothing. So I think progress over perfection is sometimes really important to think about. Um, and, you know, have, have patience. There's a bit of resiliency that we all need to have here to keep working towards this goal. I think that's right. Emily? Yeah, I think that Samantha just said it all really well. And I would certainly agree that it's an important message that there is no silver bullet. There's no one simple thing that we can start doing right now that's gonna 100% solve all of our water problems. But uh, I think what we are looking to and hoping to do is to uh, establish a great priority list and and to the points we've all made earlier, try to figure out if there are additional organizations and entities, even public-private partnerships that can help to check some of those items off or at least move them forward. Um, in a sort of more um, productive or, or faster way. 
And that's where hopefully the power of this coalition will really come into play. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. I mean, I think what we're, we're, we're a little bit trying to shift culture around how we think about some of these resources and the way that we treated them. And I think that, um, you know, as we move into this sort of next phase, we really need support from our, you know, folks in the community and people who support our individual organizations and the others who have signed on to help us do this work, right? And as, as we kind of head into uh, October, right, Scallop Month on Nantucket, you know, Sam, do you have a, a sort of outlook for the health of the scallops this year? Uh, we did a pretty significant seed management program out in Madiket this year. Uh, so if you recall back where there was a large amount of scallop seed, and so we worked with the the fishing community on uh, the commercial scallopers at the end of their season to basically spread out that scallop seed and give it all an increased chance of survival. So we're very optimistic about what Madiket will look like. It kind of remains to be seen uh, what Nantucket Harbor will look like. There are some studies that'll take place in September. And, you know, as we kind of start to get in the water in October, see what things look like for the commercial season. Um, so it's a little too soon to tell on Nantucket Harbor, but we're pretty excited about what Madikit could look like. And, you know, we look forward to sharing scallop season with everyone and kind of celebrating what that means to our island and our community. And letting that be a gathering point to have some of these conversations. These conversations don't have to be around, you know, board tables. They can be at the brewery. They can be at the coffee shop. The more that we talk about these things, the more that change will come about. And we're excited about that. Emily, you have an outlook? Sure. Well, we're actually about to embark on an exciting um, month or so of planting eelgrass seed for the first time in Nantucket Harbor. We've been working this past summer to harvest several hundred thousand eelgrass seeds with huge support from the town's natural resources department. Those seeds are all down at the shellfish hatchery right now. And we're going to be preparing over September and October to use some different techniques to plant them at a couple of different restoration sites. And the one of the main purposes besides restoring our eelgrass habitat is to try to develop some new tools that we can use um, in the future going forward to try to maintain the health of our eelgrass, which is obviously really important for our scallops. And ultimately, the improved water quality that we've started to see in some places in the harbor is something we're going to have to um, really keep moving forward with in order to keep that eelgrass healthy. Great. Well, thank you to both of you for joining me today so we can kind of start this conversation in a more, you know, public forum so people can share in uh, our thought process and a little bit about what we're trying to do. I really appreciate both of you and your organizations and the time that you've invested in, in bringing this forward. So thank you. Thanks a lot, Joanna. It's great to be here. Great. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. I'm Joanna Roach. I'm with the Mariah Mitchell Association. Our podcast is called The Nature of Nantucket. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>